On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing. Well, it's round three of the Six Nations this weekend. Ireland will play Italy in Rome on Saturday at 2.15 in what will be Andy Farrell's 35th game in charge of Ireland. That's including the two Maori games last summer. Now, Ireland go into this round top of the table on maximum points. They lead Scotland, who are also on 10 points on points difference. It's actually the first time since the bonus point system was introduced in 2017 that Ireland have got bonus point wins in their two opening games. Well, Rory O'Connor is here to set up the week ahead. Uh, Rory, we've just got the latest update on the Ireland squad and Joey Carberry's back in. Yeah, welcome back. Um, he's had his stay, of his, his little um, hiatus away to remind him of um, you know what he's done in the past and he's back in now to show what he can do. I, I, I think what that suggests probably is that Johnny Sexton isn't going to play this week and that they're going to take a long-term view on his how. Ha- um, is it his hamstring that he has? No, is that, we haven't actually been told what's exactly wrong with Johnny Sexton. It's some sort of hip pointer leg injury, I suppose, would, would be vague because that's what they want us to do. Um, so I think what we can derive from that is that Ross Byrne will start against Italy and, and Jack Crowley will be on the bench unless Joey Carberry comes in and blows the lights out of training and shows them exactly what they've say. been missing. So, yeah, um, could that possibly happen? Oh, look, you wouldn't rule in anything in or out and we've seen out-halves drop um, you know, just before games in the last six, seven months, and and this is how opportunities arise. You know, this we always, no one thought Joey Carberry was gone forever. You know, I I do think that he is in big trouble in terms of his World Cup spot now because Ross Byrne has come in and played really well, and he's the feedback from the coaches behind the scenes is very, very strong about Ross Byrne and what he's been doing and how he's commanded them, how he's stepped in and has that presence that maybe Joey Carberry has lacked in the past. That he, you know, he he has been so good for Leinster for the last two years. He's done everything that Ireland have asked him to do in terms of getting back in. And while there was some luck in that he got that kick against Australia, having been, you know, he wasn't even supposed to be in that 23 that, that night, he has now come off the bench in two Six Nations games. Um, one, he he stepped things up in Cardiff when when the, the, the team had lost a bit of direction. Um, and in the second game, with 45 minutes gone, he had to guide Ireland home in a tight test match against one, you know, arguably the best team in the world, if not the best team in the world, the second best team in the world. So I think Joey Carberry, who was definitively second choice just three months ago or four months ago, is now in a real battle. And now we're going to learn a, a lot more about him. So I don't expect to see him in Rome, barring an injury. I think they'll give Crowley the, the second the, the second choice jersey. You know, he's been in there all along. He got it, unless there's something up with him or that, that he hasn't been training that well. Um, I think they would have called up Carberry before now if they thought he was going to play. Otherwise, yeah, there's a few other headlines in there as well. You know, Joe McCarthy, you know, he was absent from the Leinster squad on Friday. Uh, we asked Leo Cullen and he, he said he had a, an ankle problem. There'll be an update today. And now we now we know why. He's um he's gone for the Six Nations as well as Ty Burns. So that leaves them a little light at a second row. So Kieran Treadwell's back in. But Kieran Treadwell was really good in New Zealand last summer. So that's a guy that could trust in it. 
you know, the way Andy Farrell has built depth in the squad really needs to be applauded. And then we've Scott Penny in, you know, Scott Penny, a player who many, you know, Lucas talked about how he, he worries about his size at this level. But I think Ryan Baird has now moved into that second row zone. So that's allowed Scott Penny to come in as, as, as back row cover. Keith Earls is out. I think a lot of us thought Keith Earls would win his 99th cap off the bench in Rome and then get a 100th cap in the World Cup warm-ups. I'm not sure if he's going to make that 100 now. I don't know where he fits in this Ireland squad now. So there's a bit of sadness about that. He can join a club populated by Ro- uh, Rob Kearney and Keith Earls, or sorry, he's Peter Stringer, who got close but not there. But I could be wrong. He could come back in. But that calf, he's had a lot of injuries this year and he's he just don't know where he's going to get into that team. Um, so there's a few, a few interesting talking points this morning, more than I expected. Dan Sheen and Keen Healy are back as well, so they, I think they'll come into the 23. Yeah, and uh, the statement also says that Jemson Gibson Park, Robbie Henshaw, and Tyke Furlong will all continue their uh, rehab programs, and Rob Herring is also continuing his uh, graduated return to play protocols. So how does that all shake down, Rory, into the team selection um, for this weekend? Just firstly, let's just look at the players who were released from the squad to play in the URC last weekend, and they've come back in. You know, the likes of Jimmy O'Brien, Jordan Larmer. Uh, they played in Leinster's win over Dragons. Uh, maybe the most eye-catching was Gavin Coombs and his hat-trick of tries for Munster and their win over Ospreys. Now, we will touch on the crisis in Welsh rugby later um, because that was reflected in the performances of the regions against the provinces at the weekend. But realistically, what are the chances of those guys breaking into the match day 23 or the bench for this weekend? Like Andy Farrell has used this Italy game to some degree, to experiment in, in years gone by. Like last year, he p- picked Mike Lowry a fullback and, and he scored two tries and laid on another. And what was a very strange game because of the sending off. Coombs on form is pushing for a place. But I do think Jack Conan probably will, if they aren't going to make a change in the back row, I think what will happen is Conan comes into the team and O'Mahony drops onto the bench. At the same time, Andy Farrell will be pretty comfortable with where Coombs is. I, I like, Sure, he probably wants... He might, probably might like to see him get more action in a, in a test match, but he has played in those Maori games in that All Black A game that was quite damaging for him. But like Carberry, he's worked his way back in from there. I don't see him getting in this week. I you know I could be wrong about that, and I, I think he there is there is a very strong argument for him to be selected. He's been very very good this season, particularly after being dropped, and it would send a good message out about how. You know, Andy Farrell sent, gave you some messages and, you know, sorry, and, and and sent you away and you do do all the things he wants you to do and he comes back in to the mix. Um, and But I think like Ross Byrne, I think he'd be pretty comfortable that Coombs could slot into an international pretty seamlessly if if, if needed. Um, Keen Prender asked another one in, in the back row who's very close, I think, but just they need an injury, really. Like, they, you know, as harsh as it is to say, those four back rows that Ireland have, that unit that they've worked with through this World Cup cycle, I was looking at O'Mahony's um, appearances this year earlier on because he, sorry, in, in this cycle earlier on because he signed his new contract. You know, it's been that four nearly throughout the cycle. Will Connors was in there for a while, but those players have really been consistently, you know, touch wood, they're all available for selection. And he's competing against, you know, Doris is exceptional. Josh van der Beer is the World Player of the Year. And Oman, he's a senior leader in the squad and one of the most consistent players in, in world rugby at the moment. So it's it, And Conan is a three-test lines number eight. So it's 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 difficult for Coombs. He's in a tough spot, but he's just got to keep turning up, hoping that he gets a break along the way. But I, I don't see him getting in this week. Okay, and we'll have to see if uh, Dan Sheen will start and how Rob Herring goes there as well. So, and obviously then we've got Ian Henderson would likely come in, obviously, for, for Ty Byrne, who's injured. Is there any other kind of selection calls? Like, could we see Bundyaki, for example, 
get a first start in the Six Nations. Yeah, I think I think where the rotation might come is, is players from the bench coming into the starting team. So maybe an Aki for a McCluskey, put McCluskey into that 23 role and ask him to do what Aki's done in the last couple of weeks. Maybe you, you, you broaden the scope. Maybe you say to McCluskey, you've done really well. You're probably back in for Scotland, but we're going to look at Jamie Osborne this week and, and get him his first cap and, and, and reward him for his form. Or a Larmer, like Larmer's been in great form for Leinster. There is, that 23 jersey is always the one they play with a bit more than others. Um, that's that's one scenario I, I could see happening. Jimmy O'Brien, though. I, Jimmy know, O'Brien, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. forgotten man in some ways, and he was good again on, on Saturday, you know. he's um, Again, like, he's one of these players, they, they've got him in, they've capped him, they know they can rely on him. They don't necessarily feel the need to, like, obviously he wants to win more caps, but I think that they're comfortable with these players that they know they can slot in when needed. And without injuries, it, like, they want to win this Grand Slam. They're pretty comfortable about their World Cup squad right now, I think. I, I don't think there's a huge amount of open slots. I think O'Brien will probably go because he covers so many positions, but maybe they just want to see whether Osborne, you know, could benefit from being in there for a week for an international week. I'm not sure. I, I like I, I, I'm I'm speculating Wiley. He wasn't kept. Neither of them were kept last weekend. I think the squad is largely going to be from those players who were kept in training last Thursday, Friday. Yeah, and you know the way it is now, and we saw it with France, and we saw it with England in round one and round two. I mean, the days of making wholesale changes when you play Italy, that's over now. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be. I, th- I think Ireland will beat Italy regardless. I think, like, for all that Italy have improved, Ireland are in a different space. And, and, and I think they could experiment a little bit more uh, if they really needed to. But, you know, look, we're, we're looking at Ross Byrne starting his first Six Nations game on, on, on Saturday. That's experimentation enough. And, and would he benefit more from having all of the big hitters around them? You know, it, like, would he... Is it more beneficial to Ireland to have him run a week with all of the, the starters in the team ar- around him and then he's more comfortable because really that's the big position. Everyone else, every other position, you're, you're, you're basically fiddling around the edges. You know who your personnel are. That's the one that's most important. I think Farrell's so comfortable with his squad right now and has, because of those Murray and A games, done so much investing in you know, beneath the surface that he doesn't necessarily need to rotate 15 players. You know, well, sorry, we're never going to be 15, eight or nine players. I think fullback is one where you could argue that, Jim, that we're too reliant on Hugo Keenan. But O'Brien has been so good in that position that, they, I, and again, they, because of those A games, I don't think they feel the need to really um, push him in there. Like, there's an argument for him starting a fullback and giving Hugo Keenan a weekend off, and I don't think that would hurt Ireland particularly. You know, uh, I again, based on what Farrell has done over the years, I don't see it. You mentioned Sheehan. Like, I think he'll come back in, and, and Kelleher will be on the bench. I, I just don't see the need to rush Rob Herring back in if he's going through those protocols and not training fully. I think give him another week. And to be honest, He's third in the pecking order when they're all fit in, in, in my book anyway. Ryan Baird will come onto the bench as second row cover. He deserves that. He's been exceptional at six for Leinster this season. And that could allow you to make two changes on your bench in the back row and freshen things up as you go if if, if needs be. You're right. Henderson will start at second row. But yeah, I, I think they're very good. Like it's, it's a very strong place to be. If he needed to, he could change more. I don't think he feels like he needs to. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned there Peter O'Mahony as well, and the news came in today that he signed a one-year contract extension that will take him up to the end of uh, the 2023-24 season. This is another guy you mentioned there, Keith Earls. He's also on the home straight for the 100 Ireland caps. He's on 91 caps. I mean, he was brilliant in New Zealand last summer. There were calls for him, though, to be dropped after the win over Wales in the Six Nations this year. But time and time again, O'Mahony showed this just incredible bounce-back ability uh, with Ireland. And he said in the statement, in the RFU statement, he wants to play kind of in a third World Cup uh, he'll turn 34 I think in September but um, 
Emirates' contract extension for him. I do think that the calls for Omani to be dropped after Wales were really just people in a TV studio, studio who needed something to talk about. Like there was, they talked about him and Mark Hansen, like, you know, they'd narrowed Phil after a game. Like he hadn't played badly at all. And, and I think, you know, if you look at this, it's been the case in Peter Omani's career throughout that if you look at the raw statistics, the headline numbers that we get through, that he isn't the most impactful back row. But I think what that misses, the amount of times he goes up in the line-out, the amount of times he competes at a breakdown, the amount of rooks he hits. Um, it might not be the most spectacular clear-out, but it's just the one that nudges the player out of the way. He's a very, very important member of this team, more so than ever. And he's a big game player as well. Think about that series in New Zealand last summer. Even the last World Cup, I know it's it's nearly four years ago now, in the All Blacks game at the last World Cup, O'Mahony was the one player who tried the rest of that game back. Not tried, but like who was successful in standing up to the All Blacks. He's a strong character. He's a big leader. He captains the team when, when Johnny Sexton isn't there. And he might not start every game because, as I said, Conan could rotate in this week and, and Doris slips into six or, or Conan slips into six. And that's happened. I think he's, he started 16 of the 32 games in Andy Farrell's tenure coming off the bench in 10. He's got a new role in this squad but they know they can rely on him. He's so important to what they do and he's he deserves this contract and it takes him to the end of next season. He's at that stage of his career that I think he's on one-year deals for, for you know for as long as he wants to and we know that he's taken a huge toll on his body this game and um, that he you know he clearly loves it and he's he's clearly really um really important but you know whether this is his last World Cup maybe, maybe this is his last contract and his last season. I'm sure he's determined to win something with Munster as well because that's the one big thing apart from a World Cup on his CV. But um, I'm not surprised by it. I think the big surprise, you know, and I don't think one thing is, is actually part of the other necessarily, but Josh van der Freer doesn't have a central contract and he's World Player of the Year. But that doesn't mean Peter Amani shouldn't have one either. It shouldn't be that one, like we, there should be enough to go around to him and like Doris will get one in the next couple of years as well. Um, just the way that things worked with timing, it, it just hasn't happened for either of those players. But um, yeah, look, Amani is really important to this team. I, I, could, I think he'll captain Ireland on Saturday. Yeah, well, he captained Ireland and we're going to touch on 2013 in a moment, but he did captain Ireland for the first time in 2019 when Ireland uh, went over to Rome uh, to play there. Let's just have a look at Italy, uh, Rory. Um, I think that Paolo Garbisi came off the bench for Montpellier, so I'm not sure if he's going to be fit for this weekend's game, um, but he certainly looks to have come back uh, from uh, his injury. But they had that, obviously, that 22 points to 21 win over Wales in the final day of last year's championship. They beat Australia uh, 28 points to 27 for the first time ever last November. They should have beaten France in round one, but lost 24-29. They lost 31-14 to England in round two. There was improved second half from them. But you look at how Damien Penno scored that try against Ireland. Italy, of course, have their wonder boy in Ange Capozzo, World Rugby's breakthrough men's player of the year for last season. He has got the vision and creativity to possibly do a bit of damage to Ireland this weekend. Yeah, and I listened to Stephen Varney uh, um, on the Rook podcast about two or three weeks ago before the England game, and he was speaking about how they've made this big... Like a lot of teams go into theming, and the big theme for them at the moment is that they're turning Rome into their Coliseum and that they want to be difficult to beat in the Stadio Olimpico. So that is um, something Ireland needs to be wary of. Look, I think RBC coming back, if fit, will be big because in that... They, I think if Garbisi had been on the pitch against France, they'd possibly get there. You know, they, they, they Tommy Allen does an awful lot right, but in terms of that kind of world-class level of, of trying to guide guide a team home and that kind of surrounds, I think, I think he was found wanting in the end game of, of, of that one. Garbisi, even if it's coming off the bench for half an hour, He's, I know, he's very young, but he's so commanding and he's a really good, really good player. He's exactly what Italy have been missing since Diego Dominguez, really. So... 
there's a lot of excitement about Italy. I think they're difficult to beat. I think they'll pile into the breakdown. Crowley's an interesting and clever coach. You know, he 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 wants them to play. He wants them to um, be obdurate and kind of difficult to beat. He wants like they made an hour long documentary on Rugby Pass a couple of years ago. Um, about their game against New Zealand and they, they, it was access all areas and I know Netflix are being thrown out everywhere in, in this Six Nations but actually if you want to get access all areas have a look at the it's on, up on YouTube it's very good and it's a very good insight into what he's trying to do and um, like they're dangerous but you know I, I would think that Ireland have too much quality and I think the way they play Simon Eastby and, and Andy Farrell will be licking their lips in terms of Ireland's defence and, and the cleverness of that Ireland defence in terms of when they're pushing passes in their own half in round 22, that Ireland will swarm them and, and get turnovers and win, you know, get tries off that. And then once Ireland get a lead and Italy have to chase, they'll get more desperate and they'll play into Ireland's hands. And the way Ireland have been playing, even without Sexton, I think this is the, the least worrying it's ever been without Sexton. Um, you know, the, the way Ross Byrne has played, the way the team has stepped up without him, the way young leaders across the board have stepped up. So, look, Rome is difficult. It's not going to be, it's not going to be, easy as in in that kind of there's no easy games in international rugby kind of sense but if, if it's ireland's first team they should be 15 20 points better than, than italy in rome even in improving italy yeah but is this the game i mean you know obviously we know we've got scotland to come england to come you know and you, there was so much hanging on those opening two games you know the first win in cardiff in 10 years obviously in the france game first time a faro team beat france in that ranking showdown and they've got the grand slam and everything to play to play for but is this the game that could test ireland in terms of you know getting to that emotional or physical pitch or are they so goddamn machine like these days uh, that they just do well, not dip under their standard now I think that's a great point, Sinead, because the big thing that's missing with Sexton, like Ross Byrne is an assured presence at 10, but what, what goes missing when Sexton isn't there, and they've talked about this with themselves, James Lowe and James Ryan have both talked about how standards slip when he's not there. It, in the Fiji game last November, you know, Andy Farrow was furious in the post-match. He didn't quite come out in his quotes because he took he held the lid on it quite a lot, but you could tell he was simmering beneath the surface about the way the team played. Even the Australia game, they didn't get to the level that they, that they normally do without Sexton. Think of the first test in New Zealand where Sexton goes off for a HIA and it doesn't come back on. Everything fell apart. Like, absolutely fell apart. So, for all that I'm confident in what Ross Byrne has to offer, and I think that he is able to lead an international team um, in a test of this magnitude, at the same time, and it is Italy, and they got through the Six Nations, you know, against France and Italy last year without Sexton. You know, Carberry started against Italy last year. Was on Away the from home, if things start going against them, have they have they fixed that element of it? Have, you know, within the leadership group of O'Mahony, of Tyg Furlong, well, Furlong won't be there, so um, Caelan Doris is in the leadership group now, Hugo Keenan's in the leadership group now, James Ryan is an important leader in the team. Are these players, Ringrose is big as well, are these players ready to to, to fill that void that Sexton leaves mentally. And that's probably the big challenge this week. If things like if things get away from them, if they get an early yellow card and Italy score a couple of tries, you know, based on everything we've seen from them, I, I believe they will win and they, they are better than Italy. But that's maybe the key question of the, of the week is that without Sexton, you know, if Sexton's off doing rehab and they're training, does training drop 5%, 5% in the way that they've spoken about previously? It shouldn't. It's not excusable really for professionals that that happens, but they've spoken about it themselves. So that'll be fascinating to watch. Yeah, so it's more so kind of almost in the days now, assuming we don't know yet, obviously, but like more so these days now that will tell a lot about Ross Byrne, his influence, uh, even before we get to pitch time and game time on Saturday. Yeah, like they haven't ruled Johnny out, but they do say that he's continuing his rehab in the statement. Um, I'm just looking at the, the uh, yeah, he continues his rehab. Like, just, they wouldn't have called Carberry up if, if Sexton was going to train fully this week. I, 
they haven't ruled them out, but I, we'll know on Wednesday because they do their captain's press conference on Wednesday. And if, if Peter O'Mahony walks out, we'll know he's being ruled out. Um, they're not like they don't do as much bull as the previous regime. They generally like that's fairly fairly uh, signposting what's happening. And I think getting behind Ross Byrne and allowing him to run the week is really important. Because look, there's gonna like this is this is all scenario planning for a World Cup as well as trying to win a Grand Slam and. Even if Sexton comes through the South Africa game, he might have a twinge that the rules about of Scotland. They need to be able to rely on whoever's there. We know this. And, and also, it's not just about the 10. It's about the other people filling that, that leadership void. Uh, that's an important factor this week. So I, got, I, I have a feeling that they basically said to Ross Byrne, you're starting this game, and, and they're saying to Sexton, get yourself right for Scotland. Because Scotland is a six-day turnaround into England, and they're the two games that Ireland really... Sorry, like Ireland need to win all the games because they're out for a Grand Slam. I think anything less than a Grand Slam at this point would be really disappointing for this Ireland team because they've been so good. Um, to do it while not playing Sexton, that would make you know that would just make you a little bit more, another little bit more comfortable about what where they are going into that big World Cup uh, in uh, September October. Yeah, um, let's go down memory lane just for a moment. Uh, it's 10 years since Ireland lost to Italy and Rome for the first time in Six Nations, 22 points to 15. It's it's a day that's been summed up since as anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Three yellow cards for Ireland, a bizarre and unfortunate sequence of injuries. Peter O'Mahony ended up playing in the wing, taking Kidney's last game in charge of Ireland. O'Mahony, Keith Earls, Conor Murray, Keen Healy, Dave Kilcoyne and Ian Henderson were all involved that day. And I don't remember touching it there about Peter O'Mahony captaining Ireland there in 2019. And he said, I don't know if you remember, in the captain's, uh, captain's press conference the day before, that he got a shiver in the tunnel area when he went past the, the board where they do the interviews because he had to do he remembered doing one there back in 2013 so look there's a few still in the squad so I'm sure they'll be reminding them of what happened in 2013 well like I, I in the post-match after the France game I can't remember exactly what I said to Andy Farrell when I was asking the question but it was something like you're not you know you never lose to Italy or something and he goes that's not true so he remembers 2013 and and I think he holds this Italian setup in a fairly reasonably high regard because of where they've come from. I mean, like for, for all that I don't think they're going to win, think about where they were in 2018, 2019 when they couldn't buy a win and, and, and what uh, Crowdy's done. And yeah, it's probably no harm that there's still five or six guys. And I know Sexton wasn't there because he was injured that year and that's part of the reason things went went to pot. But, you know, having him around as well is no harm in that, in that scenario that, I mean, you can't, browbeat like there's some lads in the squad were about 10 when that happened you know there's there's uh it's it, you know jamie osborne maybe that was one of his first six nations memories pretty last you know one of the, but it, it, it it's it is a cautionary tale but ireland in 2023 are in a very different place to where that that that, that team was there was a lot of stuff that gone wrong that year we'd had the paddy jackson coming in for for ogara you know ogara's um kicking in, in Murrayfield Sexton got injured Kidney had made poor decisions around the captaincy it has just started to go just really pear-shaped for that regime and, and it, the, the writing was on the wall going over there and as you say like you know like Ireland could get a red card in the first minute and, and we're on a different very different page but ba- based on everything we know I, I don't see a, a repeat co- happening this weekend but I, as you say it's no harm that we all remember it and that, that it's there and, and I'm sure it is Italians will draw on it as well you know it's not it's not impossible like when they go to Twickenham they've never beaten England so that's like that's a really difficult thing to get your head around like for all Ireland are are brilliant at the moment they've beaten them before so that's that's a good thing to have in in their locker yeah and listen before we go we just need to talk about what's going on with Wales and strike action on the cards for them and their game with England this weekend over contracts an announcement on their 60 cap rule is expected in the coming days but what a state of affairs for Welsh rugby at the moment 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, I wrote about it in my newsletter on Friday. I, you know, I often would criticize the RFU as, as, as things go. And, I, you know, they have huge improvements to make on the women's side of the house. But when you look at what's going on in Wales, you can't but um, be thankful of the fact that the RFU, in their wisdom, and it was a couple of um, committee members about 10 years ago who decided that they were basically going to um, depower themselves and appoint the performance director in David Nusavoru, who has unbelievable power, and that the committee men took a step back. And Finbar Crowley, who was, was one of those who made that decision, paid for it with, he was supposed to be the next um, RFU president, and he got scuttled at the next uh, next AGM by a kind of a bit of a revolt. But it was too late then, the power had already been transferred. And New Sephora is all powerful, and the, basically the professional game is run by professional people. And and I don't always agree with what he has to say or what he does, but at the same time, he is making decisions, clear cut decisions for what he believes are the best in, um, the best reasons for for Irish rugby, and largely, certainly on the men's side of the house, it is working, and and we are seeing success. Wales is an absolute mess, and and for the tournament, you know, the, what is it, the greatest championship? We all keep hearing about it. What what happens if if this game doesn't go ahead on Saturday? You know, like. Do, do England get a walkover? You know, does that, you know, do England potentially win a championship with a walkover under the books? Do you get five points for a walkover? I, I, I presume that you do. I I have this kind of, you know, I suppose it's a lazy thing in the back of my head that I oh, look, that'll go ahead, you know, like that, they'll yeah, sort it out. And I expect it to be sorted, wouldn't you? I, well, you'd have to think so because if the players are ever going to get paid what they think they deserve to get paid and if they, if, if, if everything is going to work in Welsh rugby going forward, they have to play this match because like Ireland and like nearly every union in the world, it's games in the Principality Stadium that fund the entire show. If you don't play against England and, and you, you have to refund 74,000 people, plus the corporates, plus all of that stuff that goes with it, plus the long-term damage, it's too, even for the, it, like it, it, the players are taking a massive risk, but I applaud them for it because I think they're, they're in the right. But if they were to bring this down, I could see it turning against them quite quickly. And also, I don't see how they ever get what they want if that game doesn't go ahead. I think the damage it would do to rugby in Wales, to rugby in this part of the world, would be phenomenally bad. And it's not on the players in some ways because the WRU are such a mess and that, that they force these players to take such drastic threats and potential action is dreadful. But if the players do go through with it, which is you know within their rights, and if they feel that strongly, you know, Got good on them in some ways, but God, I don't know what that where that leaves everything. You know, I think it's. I heard Tom English on the BBC podcast earlier, and he's been through some crises in Irish rugby and Scottish rugby over the years, and he said it's the worst he's ever seen in terms of brinksmanship and kind of the threat to the game and and all the things we hold dear in terms of Six Nations and every year the annual jamboree that that's been going on for a hundred you know one hundred and fifty odd years. And he's never known it to be this bad and, and to come so close to this. And see even the Welsh interviews over the weekend after the games. Like, how are they supposed to perform? Even you hear people say, like, it's Wales, England, they'll get up for the game. I mean, that's fine in, in, in theory. But in reality, the, the the challenge for those players to try and park this and then go out and play a game against England is so, so difficult. And I think it has fed into their first two performances as well. Yeah, their livelihoods on the line. And Penny for Warren Gatlin's thoughts why did yeah. I ever come back? I wonder, is he thinking? Oh, well, I mean, how much did he know what was coming between the sexism? Like, you know, he had to answer questions about the sexism scandal and the Six Nations launch. So, you know, whether he was briefed on what that that coming, you know, the documentary was always obviously being made. Whether he was briefed, he was probably told that, we'll, look, we'll get this contract stuff sorted. Don't worry about it. And suddenly, and like he's in an invidious position in that, like he's on something around 600 grand a year sterling from the WRU. He's the WRU's knight in shining armor. 
and yet he's trying to handle and motivate a group of players while saying that they shouldn't strike, you know, so he's in a really, like, that. that's going to be, it could potentially be really damaging to his tenure, and he does cut a very, I mean, we were both in the in the press conference room in Cardiff, he he cuts a very downbeat figure at the moment, Um, I, I just wonder if he knew what he was getting himself in for, and whether he, for all of the, you know, he's 600,000 reasons to, to feel okay when he goes home at night, you know, that's, that's easy, you know, he's not, he's a winner, he's a proven coach, and, and that's got to be difficult, Um place for him to be in and having made this move back like you know he, he had settled back in New Zealand with his family and now he's coming across the world and suddenly he's in the middle of a maelstrom it's that's a tough station but you know my sympathies with the players I, I I hope it gets sorted properly and like to be honest what Irish rugby could do at Welsh rugby being strong at, like we play against the regions an awful lot our our women's team play against in a Celtic competition we need Welsh rugby to be testing us and pushing us on I know Ireland have kind of pushed beyond that now but long term you really don't want to see Wales fall apart in this way. They're a critical part of what the Six Nations is as well. I love going to Cardiff. I love our, you know, I'm already making plans about how I'm going to get to see Wales England on Saturday in Rome. Obviously, life would be easier in that way if if, if it called off, but that'd be such a bad well, moment terrible. for the tournament. Yeah, no, it'll be absolutely terrible. We'll see how, how it plays out anyway. Um, Andy Farrell names his Ireland team on Thursday before they fly out. Uh, Rory, thanks a million for that. Now, I'll be back tomorrow with an interview with Steve Abood, the Irishman with the inside track on the development of Italian rugby. Uh, Stephen worked as head of technical direction for the development of players and coaches with the Italian Rugby Federation for nearly six years up until June of last year. So that will come into your left wing podcast feed tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast.